Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. As always, we are your home, your source for quarterback coverage around the college football landscape, specifically quarterback coverage among the G5 football ranks. I am Eric Henry, FIU slash Conference USA football writer for SB Nation. My work can be found on underdogdynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football coverage. And as always, I'm joined to you by the man behind QB Spotlight, our former small-time college football quarterback, sports performance specialist extraordinaire, Stephen Hamner. Steve, how's it going, my man? Man, things things are good on my end and no complaints. Uh, another great day weather-wise in Florida, even though it started at 76, or no, it started at 46 this morning and it's now 72. So all all things are well here. Eric, how are you? Doing all right, man. I'm fighting off a little bit of a – I don't want to say a bug. I mean, I know I don't want to put in a, uh, a sense of panic in our listeners with the coronavirus going on right now. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not that. Uh, it's got a little bit of a sore throat going here, which obviously doesn't bode well for someone who talks for somewhat of a living. <laughs> but um, outside fighting. of that, I'm, I'm doing a – go ahead, Steve. No, you're, you're fighting through it, though, huh? You're, you're, you're uh, taking one for the team. I'm fighting through it right now. You know, I'm, I'm never questionable, always probable, uh, but I'm, I'm running at about 75% here. Um, yeah. And please don't don't wish us the days that start off at 76 degrees because those are right around the corner. Soon enough, you know, as a as a Texan, you know, those those oh, yeah. mornings will be soon when uh when we begin the day at 80 degrees. But uh, yeah. you know, weather forecast aside, once again, thank you for joining us on our last episode. It was actually our combine preview where we went ahead and previewed some of the G5 quarterbacks who are at the NFL Combine. Well, thank you for listening. As always, you can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts. And uh, please leave us reviews. Uh, like I tend to mention on these podcasts from time to time, the only way we can grow is through your feedback. So feel free to DM us. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. You can find Steve on Twitter at Stephen Hamner. That's H-A-M-N-E-R on Twitter. And you can find the podcast at QB Spotlight on Twitter. The only way we can grow is through your feedback. So leave us reviews, positive, negative, or otherwise. We are more than welcome and willing to take it. But today's episode will just kind of be a recap episode of, uh, kind of a continuation of the last episode, where we'll talk about how the quarterbacks went to the combine fared. But also, with spring practices right around the corner, we kind of want to give a shout-out to some of our uh, high school quarterbacks who are making the transition to college football, or maybe even JUCO quarterbacks who making the transition. Or just, you know, maybe if you're a high school kid kind of, you know, looking to make that next step. Steve's expertise is sports performance, and he does have playing background uh, as a quarterback. You know, mine is as a safety, so I'm coming at it from the opposite perspective, but uh, I'll let Steve take it as far as the quarterbacks go. But we kind of want to give, you know, some of those, those guys who are making the transition, maybe, you know, some, some tips or some pointers or things that they can do to help make that transition a little bit smoother. But we'll go ahead and start with the combine. It is Sunday as we're recording this podcast, so you will hear this at whichever day of the week that it is that uh, you choose to uh, divulge our podcast uh, or indulge us to share on our podcast. But uh, it's Sunday, so it's the final day of the, of the NFL Combine. The quarterbacks open to the Combine on Thursday. And let's start with James Morgan. Obviously, we've talked about James a lot on this podcast. He was our first guest to join us on the podcast. So we won't recap too much as far as his background. We'll just kind of talk about, you know, spinning it forward the buzz that he's gotten and Steve, um, a lot of the things coming out, you, know, you actually may have seen it, those of you listening, Ian Rappaport, who's a reporter for NFL.com, did a hit on NFL Network. And the question posed to him was, which quarterback could be this year's Gardner Minshew? 
for those of you who may be unfamiliar, Gardner Minshew was a late round pick, or or Steve was Gardner was he, he might not have even drafted. Is that correct? If my memory serves me correct, he was. I believe he was a seventh round pick. Actually, I believe he was a, a seventh round pick, maybe six. I can double check, uh, but I believe he was a seventh round pick. Yeah, yeah. I want to say he's a seventh round pick or a guy who went undrafted, but went on to start a couple of games. Actually, start most of the year in Jacksonville. Don't want to say he beat out Nick Foles because Nick Foles actually suffered an injury and Gardner Minshew made the most of his opportunity. And the question posed was who could be this year's Gardner Minshew? And the name that was was given by Ian Rappaport was James Morgan. Uh, so I'll just let you take it from there, Steve. You know, in in your sense, what does James necessarily? I don't say what does he have to do, but do you agree with that comparison that he could be a guy who could step right in and maybe, you know, um, I don't want to say he's going to beat out a, an NFL starter immediately, but maybe have an opportunity if a quarterback goes down to step in and, and play adequately, uh, play reasonably well and, you know, perform adequately enough to where he can consider an NFL starter going forward. Right. Yeah. And also, and I, uh, real quick, uh, Minshew was a six round draft pick. Um, so, okay. but nonetheless, late round pick. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's actually a good comparison as far as what Morgan could be, not as far as their playing styles. You know, they got very different playing styles. I don't think uh, Ian was, was referring to their playing styles. I think he was just kind of making the, the, the comparison that Morgan could be a late round guy. I think I think it's pretty. Uh, every, all the reports coming out, it's pretty solidified that he's going to be drafted. It doesn't seem like he's going to be, you know, an undrafted free agent now. So I think it's pretty set that he's going to be drafted probably in the late round. And if the scenario is right, like it was right for Garner Minshew, he could potentially, you know, take over if a, a quarterback is injured or someone's not playing well, depending on what team he he goes to. But I think for him to have the quote unquote Garner Minshew story. Uh, he has to be in the right – the scenario has to be right. He's got to be with the right team, the, the the right offensive scheme. And as far as the scheme goes, I think he – you know, he got the arm talent and he can make any throw in any scheme. Uh, he can fit any system, assuming it's not the, you know, the, the Raven system with Lamar Jackson. But um, so so any any, any uh, current quarterback situation for, for Morgan uh, will depend a lot on – on you know his success that he's able to have but as far as the comparison goes yeah I, I can see that uh I don't know if you know Morgan better than I do of course but I don't know if Morgan will have that you know uh personality to where you know have the mustache on or have the jorts on you know like Garden Minshew has um so I, I don't know if if the comparison is great from that point of view uh but as far as being able to be prepared when his numbers called upon yeah for sure from everything I've I've read and and seeing coming out from the combine, he you know he he interviews great. He's got a great personality, so he's gonna be prepared and he's gonna be ready if his number is called upon. Whether it's injury, whether it's poor performance by the starting quarterback, uh, regardless of what it is, and I he, the fact that he had a pretty good combine as well, people finally got to see his arm up close and personal, and he moved I think a little bit better than than uh, teams are probably expecting. I know when we had him on, uh, something he said that he was working on was. Uh, you know, just kind of his speed and, and footwork and agility. Uh, so if you just look at his 40 time, 489, it's nothing to be impressed about, but it's more than enough speed that he needed to show that, you know, he has the ability to escape pressure whenever he needs to. So, uh, yeah, I think he his stock is definitely rising from the combine um, in, in a lot of different ways. And his potential to take over uh, at some point this season or even, you know, seasons to follow, uh, I think is 
high if the situation is right due to the fact he's going to be more than ready. And then, NFL, if you're just ready, then, you know, you've got a chance. So two things really quickly you touched on there. One, you talked about if he has, quote-unquote, the personality of that Gardner Minshew with the mustache and the jorts. Well, James actually did come in to FIU with just the, the mustache. You know, he, was, uh, he actually didn't have the full beard. Uh, he went ahead and grew that in. But just as far as that, um, James has a fun personality. I just don't think it's not necessarily his style to maybe as a rookie come in there, you know, and, uh, and, and, and listen, I don't know Gardner Minshew, so I don't want to say he's making it about himself. I think that's too strong of a characteristic. Um, cause I think all that stuff isn't good fun, right? You know, you, you're with there with the guys and, and, you know, that's stuff that they know. Um, so I'd say maybe as a, uh, a, a little bit of that personality, but I'm not going to say he's going to go, you know, full on day one and be showing that. Um, but the, the second thing and the more substantive thing, as far as his playing style in terms of his, his draft stock and things of that nature that you mentioned was a 40 yard dash or was a 40 yard dash. And I think it's a good point because James isn't a statue back there in the pocket, even though he's perceived as somewhat of a, of a, you know, just a stationary target. Right. So the fact that he could go and show four, eight, nine, which isn't blazing feet by any stretch of the imagination, but it at least shows something that I think, I've seen, and maybe if you look, sit down and watch the tape, even his Bowling Green tape, you can kind of see, is that he's mobile enough to get away from the rush. I mean, he's not, you know, like you said, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's not, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a, a an example, maybe like a Terry Collins type from back in the day, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Steve. What, what name did uh, you have in mind? Yeah, he, he's not a Tom Brady who ran a 5-1 or 5-2. Like, he's not this – He's not slow, so to speak. If he's linear, he can, he can get moving a little bit if he needs to. Exactly, exactly. So that, that would be the point there. Uh, just really quick before we move on to the next quarterback, I want to ask you this. You know, given everything, and obviously we left pro day to account for, so it's not, you know, a foregone conclusion just yet. But given what we've seen so far, what do you think is a reasonable expectation draft-wise for Morgan? Oh, man. I think he, he's got the talent to be taken and kind of the – the mid to maybe you know lower second third round depending on the team and and i'm no draft expert by any uh any scenario i, I don't know the team the the needs of all the teams out there but i think he's going to be in that five to six range just because a quarterback with a, a team with a solidified quarterback can can i don't say not waste a pick but can use a pick on a backup quarterback in their fifth or sixth round to see if he can develop over time or something to have. So I'm going to say that fifth to sixth round range is probably something that, that makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised if he went earlier, if a team just really liked him and he goes more third or fourth. But I think the, the fifth or sixth round is probably a safe bet. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I'll wrap it up pretty quickly and say I, I – I can easily see, you know, that I think he's eclipsed that seventh round range. I think he possibly maybe even have eclipsed that sixth round range. I think five is a safe bet. And then, you know, I'll have to see how pro day plays out. One thing James will do is he'll interview really well and teams will, you know, fall in love with his personality and things of that nature. Uh, so I, I could easily see, you know, maybe a four. Um, but I think a, a fifth round is a safe bet. And I think that's, you know, given so much of this, of this season, you know, Steve, it, it's, uh, uh, an old professor slash, you know, uh, he's the Bears beat writer for The Athletic, uh, guy Adam Johns, told me this, you know, and sorry for, for the journalism lesson for those of you at home who just want to hear football. But uh, he, he told me, and, uh, and actually an agent told me this as well, so both of them said in conjunction, this is lying season. So yeah. I'm, I'm not here to say that, you know, um, 
what you're hearing is smoke and mirrors. So there may be some validity to that, but you got to remember, this is the point in the year in which all teams are looking to kind of throw smoke screens to each team and not show their hand as to who they're interested in and things of that nature. So take everything with a grain of salt. But with that being said, you know, I do think some of the buzz you're hearing out of Indianapolis regarding Morgan is, is warranted. So as we move on to the next quarterback, we're going to talk about Kevin Davidson from Princeton and just, you know, not too much on him coming out of the combine. So I'll just kind of pose this question to you as a guy who looks to have had a solid career at Princeton and, and making that next step. What do you think he needs to show in order to make an NFL roster between now and say, you know, July, Let, let's, let's not even say August, you know, let's not even say a, uh, you know, breaking, breaking camp on the roster. I'm just saying a guy who's going to get that look, get that invite into a, into a, uh, a spring camp, um, excuse me, a, an off season camp and uh, so, maybe get that, that, that invite into training camp. So I, I think for, for Davidson, like you said, he had a, a good uh, career for at Princeton, even though he only started his last year, it was still a good enough, uh, good enough season to, get an invite to the NFL combine, you know, there, there are some other quarterbacks that, that you would have thought would have been ahead of him to get invited. So it says, I think it says a lot about him, the fact that he started one year and he still got invited to the combine. Uh, I, I think his, in his scenario, in his case, uh, his, every pro day is important for these guys, right? The guys we're talking about, but for his situation, uh, his pro day is going to help him a ton. If he comes out and just slings it, he's going to be, uh, the, the way the Ivy League does their pro days is, and P- Princeton, I'm sure, will have their own pro day, but the Ivy League has one big pro day where every uh, every school in the Ivy League will meet at Columbia. I don't know if it's at Columbia every year, but it's at Columbia this year because I have an indoor facility in, in, uh, in New York City. And, and so so every you know player that is going to potentially be drafted or, or play at the next level will compete at that pro day. So you have players from every different – uh, every different team. So I would assume Davidson goes to that pro day. Uh, if not, then I, I assume Princeton has a pro day. I don't know if every, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if every Ivy League school has a pro day, uh, but I would assume uh, Princeton does. So I think the biggest thing he can do is just go out and sling it in his pro day. It's going to be a script. He's going to be thrown with some people that he knows and feels comfortable with. So he he can really go out and 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 help himself there, just because you know he's he's not a guy who's going to test well. You know he ran a five flat forty. I can only jump 28 inches and, and I'm not huge into measurements like that, but it just shows, okay, he's not the best athlete, so to speak. But as you know, we, we mentioned Tom Brady, you don't have to be the best athlete to be a good quarterback. So uh, if he can just go out and sling it and interview well, like, you know, James Morgan is going to do who we just talked about, then that is going to be his biggest, uh, his biggest keys to potentially make it on an NFL roster and stick around and, you know, see what happens with him. Uh, before we transition, do you see anything in particular with Davidson that says, um, or, or let's rephrase the question, do you see anything with him that says maybe he could be best served by some time and maybe a developmental league before making the transition? Sure, I think it's a, I think it's a great, uh, that's a great uh, suggestion or a great kind of topic to talk about just because, and of course every player wants to go straight to the NFL, uh, but say if, if he can't stick around, then he, and then NFL, if the XFL is still, you know, doing well, like they're doing, you know, like, like they've started and that could be a great option for him to go down and play in the XFL if that's what it comes down to. But yeah, sure. I think, I think that'd be huge for him because he gets more experience and he's definitely has some tools and he's definitely good enough to play at the NFL. Um, but the XFL sure is definitely something that 
uh, I think he could benefit from for the simple fact he's getting simple fact he's going to be getting more reps still against a you know a high uh, caliber uh, level of competition. So the next quarterback we'll talk about is Jordan Love. Following the combine, there's been a lot of talk, and I mean even some of it kind of started as we headed into the combine, but there's been a fair amount of talk exiting this week or this weekend, I should say, that he could be yeah, potentially a mid-first round pick, and I'm seeing a lot of you know, maybe comp- excuse me, comparison similarities of Patrick Mahomes in terms of, you know, maybe his style of making certain throws and things of that nature. Just overall, I mean, it appears that Jordan Love will be the highest selected, you know, G5 quarterback, I mean, barring anything crazy. Uh, just overall thoughts on Love coming out of this week, and just maybe your thoughts on that Patrick Mahomes comparison. Yeah, so I think anyone who has watched Jordan Love play or people that have, that have seen him play the past few years aren't surprised by uh, this comparison at all as someone who's been able to watch him closely the last two years <clears throat> it, it comes as, as no surprise to see him you know sling the ball around and be considered to have one of the best arms if not the best arm at the combine uh this past uh this past week so uh, there's a there's a clip of him on social media floating around and people are claiming it was the best throw at the combine and I, i'm not huge into that because you know all these guys commit great throws against air but the fact that, you know, people are still putting him above guys like Jacob Eason and, and Justin Herbert, guys who have some elite arms, I think is still pretty telling. Uh, so I, I'm not surprised by all that. Um, I, I think I, I do understand, like, because, yeah, he's, he, he is someone who has a very high ceiling. Uh, he is still kind of a, a wild card, so to speak. Uh, you, you have people saying they're not convinced because of his senior year or, you know, the junior year was, was fluky, whatever it may be. But he does have all the physical tools, and that was on full display at the combine from from running a four seven four to you know uh, his vertical jump was almost thirty five inches, just just showing his explosive nature. Not to mention the 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 <clears throat> strength of his arm that we already just mentioned and talked about. So I think he could surprise uh, people and go higher than one of these main guys being talked about. I don't know if it if it happens, but I, I would not be surprised if he goes ahead of you know a Jacob Eason or, or I don't know, or Justin Herbert, maybe, you know, like if you hear his name before one of those two names, it would not surprise me. Uh, I do understand that he is kind of a wild card. He, he, in a way, his college career has kind of reminded me of Wyoming's uh, former quarterback, Josh Allen, who the year before he got drafted had a huge year, similar to Jordan Love. He had a huge year last year. And then uh, the year he got drafted was kind of a down year. And so Love had a quote unquote down year, but that was, you know, we've talked a lot in the podcast. I won't get into to it right now, but that was to a lot of different factors and probably wasn't all on him. But he's got all the tools. It was on display in the combine. And as far as being compared to Patrick Mahomes, uh, I'll go ahead and, and uh, say I don't think I'm ready to do that yet. We're going to, have to do a little more than just impress at the combine. So, but I do think he's got the tools. And, and uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to compare to Patrick Mahomes this year at the, the Super Bowl MVP from the great state of Texas. So, <laughs> The great city of Texas. No, I think that's that's fair to hold off on the Mahomes comparisons. And I think, you know, that's just, unfortunately, for better or worse, one of the things we do in the media is to make it relatable for the average person, average fan, we have to draw a comparison, right? Because think about it. If you have spent most of your time on the East Coast or you spent most of your time in, you know, even a bigger city like a Chicago or whatnot, you don't know who Jordan Love is. You know, you, you, you're hearing the name reasonably for the first time around this time, which is combine season. So you have to try to make a comparison and say, all right, 
this guy reminds me of X. The same thing with James Morgan. Who could be the, the next Gardner Minshew, right? So it's not necessarily fair to uh, to call him the next Patrick Mahomes per se, but uh, I think that's the reasoning behind that. But really quick, a guy who I thought had a, a interesting week and ran faster than I thought personally yeah. you know, was expecting was Cole McDonald. Um, just how much, you know, passing aside, because, I mean, he did a ton of that at Hawaii. Anyone who's familiar with that Hawaii offense knows that their legacy goes back almost two decades back to the June Jones days of being able to sling the football around. How much do you think he helped his stock by showing that athletic ability? Because, you know, the way that the NFL is trending nowadays, there's kind of that need, you know, that pocket passer is kind of, I don't want to say it's going by the wayside because you still have your Tom Brady's and Drew Brees and guys like that, but it is trending more of a, of a league of guys who can move in the pocket a little bit. How much do you think he helped his stock with that? I think he helped his stock tremendously. And, and I, I wasn't surprised. I'll say this. I, from watching Hawaii, the, watching him play Hawaii the past two years, two seasons, I wasn't surprised that he put on a good show. I was surprised that he was arguably the most athletic quarterback out of every quarterback there. You know, he ran the fastest 40 time. He, he finished in top three in almost every single category. You know, going in, you would have thought, you know, Jalen Hurts was going to be, you know, the, 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 the more athletic quarterback, and he arguably still is. But the fact that, you know, he ran faster than Jalen Hurts and, and just performed well in, in every category was, was impressive. And it shows that, okay, maybe, maybe there's a place for Cole McDonald in, in the NFL that doesn't have to just rely on passing. I'm not saying he's going to be like a Taysom Hill from the saints or anything, but the way the NFL is trending, like you said, if you can only throw the football, you better be pretty darn good at it, or you better be able to, uh, you better have other attributes that can help you as a quarterback. So I think the, the combine helped him tremendously and he put up good numbers. S- someone's going to fall in love with him and, and, you know, uh, take a chance on, on him in a late round, I think, and, and just be uh, just, just for the, the few, the, um, excuse me, just for the pure fact that he performs so athletically and, and can be, you know, developed and, and molded into a system like the NFL is kind of trending towards today. Awesome. And I do agree with you. I just think that, you know, I think you're going to hit the nail on the head as far as my point. I don't want to say that I was surprised by his athletic ability per se, but you would have thought that Jalen Hurts would have run the faster 40 time, right? So just coming out of there and seeing that, okay, you know, Cole McDonald is a little faster. And obviously there's straight ahead speed and game speed and pass, you know, let's put emphasis on that. But with that being said, I think he helped the stock a lot by showing that, you know, he has that level of athleticism. But as we go and transition to, you know, the final part of our pod here, it's going to be just, you know, talking about quarterbacks who are making that transition from high school to college. Uh, maybe, you know, if you're going for a JUCO to college. So I just kind of want to start there and, and just overall thoughts, you know, as someone who works in sport performance and things of that nature, if, you're, if you were talking to a high school quarterback, right, you know, what would you tell them just – the, the things that they need to be focusing on if they're making that transition to the next level. And this doesn't have to be division one, division two, you know, we focus on all quarterbacks here, right? So just uh, obviously your level of, of play wasn't certain, wasn't division one level. Uh, just go and take it away and I'll give you your general thoughts from there and we'll go and follow it up from there. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest, when I, when I transitioned, it wasn't the lack of preparedness or, or being in, in shape, you know, these days, you have so many quarterback coaches and you have different conditioning places that, for the most part, right now, the way like if, if you're a top high school or whatever, if you're a high school quarterback going to the next level, you're probably working hard. You're probably 
seeing someone, a quarterback coach, you've got receivers to throw to, whatever it may be, you're going to be prepared in that fashion, but you just can't prepare for the speed of the game. So I think just knowing like the speed just is different. When I remember my first few plays in college, you know, I would call the play. I went up to the, to, <clears throat> I called the play, went to the line of scrimmage. And I was, I was looking at the defense and I was like, Holy crap. Like, I don't remember the play right now. And so I, you know, I'd, I'd hike the ball and everything was like a roll, a whirlwind. I would just catch it. And I was like, I'm just going to run and see what happens. So that obviously did not turn out very well, but I think that the, the, the speed of the game is so much different at, at the next level. And so I think just allowing yourself to adjust to that, even looking at a, at arguably the best freshman, true freshman quarterback to play Trevor Lawrence, when they won the championship, not this, uh, this uh, two years ago against Alabama, his, <clears throat> when he first started, in his first few playing experiences, uh, you know, against Texas A&M, they almost lost when he was playing. They had to put in Kelly Bryant, but he struggled at times. And they almost lost to, I forget who, but he got hurt. I think it was Syracuse. They almost lost to Syracuse. And he he, he struggled and just looked off. And then once he found his rhythm, boom, the attributes were there. Everything on the field was in there. It was just uh, getting, getting kind of used to that game speed is something you can't really prep for. So just understanding that. But knowing it's going to come, that the more experience you, you get playing, that the better you're going to get. And so making sure you're checking your boxes outside of that, having a good strength conditioning program, making sure you're in shape, making sure there's nothing uh, – There's every day you're doing something small there's, and you're leaving no box on check. There's nothing that you can't be doing more to get better and just allowing yourself to – adjust to the game speed adjust the practices adjust to it being a full day event you know eric like like two days in in college are nothing like two days in high school two days in high school you practice you know two hours in the morning two hours in the afternoon and the afternoon the the training days in in college like you know it's a full day you know you, you have mandatory breakfast at seven you have your first practice at nine you have film at 11 you have break then you have lunch you have treatment you have afternoon practice you have you know night film and then you have night meetings and then boom you do it again so i think uh just being prepared mentally knowing that that's coming is, is another thing you can't uh necessarily just you know study and prepare for it just kind of happens and just naturally adapt to the change of speed and adapt to the almost job-like atmosphere that it is. I think you hit the nail on the head right there with your last few words, which is job-like atmosphere. I can speak, you know, in my experience playing NAIA football, you know, at a, at a much you know lesser level than D1. But A, it really shows the guys who really love the game because football – the level of attention, no matter whether it's D1 or NAIA or anywhere in between, you know, that increases once you make the jump from high school to college. And it really shows right there, hey, do I want to do this to where it's going to be a level of a full-time job and go to class? And I think that's the biggest adjustment that even in my experience covering football for the past few years, you see a lot of kids struggle with that adjustment. And the only other thing you see that happens from time to time, and this is out of your control, you can't, um, or at least out of out of the coach's control is homesickness. You will have a couple of kids, you know, may go AWOL or, you know, you want to leave the program because they're not going to playing time or they were the man at their high school and they're having to go out to the bottom of the food chain or just quite frankly, they're homesick. You know, that's something that will happen as well. But uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, one other thing I want to ask you before we go and shut down this podcast is talk about, because I think this is significant, whether it's at the JUCO level or the high school level making that jump, playing with players who maybe are more talented than you're used to, or in some cases, less talented than you're used to. 
because I think that's something that's key, especially at the quarterback position. You know, when you're the one out there, you know, making throws and doing certain things, whether your offensive line isn't as talented as you used to, or, um, I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, this is necessarily going to betray anyone's trust or um, be a controversial statement when I say this. I think you'll concur here, Steve. There may have been some teams that you played against and maybe even some teams that you played on in high school that you look, and there were some guys at certain positions who were just more talented than the guys you had around you in college. Mm-hmm. Talk about the quarterback position, you know, making that adjustment and being able to mentally adjust to that and um, go forward from that perspective. Yeah, I think at the at the quarterback, for the, just speaking from the quarterback position, when I got to college, you know, I'm used to, in high school, you used to being the man and, you, you know, you, you got success everywhere, you know, against every team you played against. And then, and you're always the better quarterback on the field, you know, in high school. And then when you get to college and you're like, wow, there's about six guys who can absolutely spin it and four guys throw it better than me. You know, so I think not putting other quarterbacks on a pedestal when you get there, uh, especially upperclassmen who know the system, have been there for a while, like understand, hey, they're a few years older than me. They're supposed to be uh, further along in their development. And knowing that it's not just about how the ball looks when it comes out, you know, you can only do so much, right? If someone just throws a prettier ball, they throw a prettier, prettier ball. But if they, if they throw a prettier ball to the other team, then who cares, right? As long as what you're, as long as you control what you can control, I think that's probably the, the biggest advice, you know, and, and not just in football, but probably in life, especially these young kids. And if you just worry about what you can control, the, the playbook, uh, staying as healthy as possible, uh, doing what you can do in the weight room and on the field, then everything else kind of works itself out. So, as far as like the talent around you, some being better, some being uh, not as good as what you're used to, or what they should be. I think just if, if you're in the mindset, okay, I can't control if my X receiver is better and my Y receiver is really bringing me down. I can't control that. I can just control me and what's making me better. So if you're just focusing on you being the best player you can be, being the best teammate you can be, then the other stuff kind of takes care of itself and you don't have to worry so much about uh, – you know, if, if X is talented or if Y is talented, because at the college level, you got some studs and you also got some guys that are just like, man, don't don't think you should be playing college football with all due respect. Um, so I think once you realize that, that you got guys who could be playing a big D1 school that are at your small school, and you also got guys that couldn't start your high school playing at your college. So I think once you realize that and you, and, and you come to grips that, okay, no biggie, I can't control any of this, but I can just control what I'm going to do. Uh, then it, it will make that, you know, transition easier. It'll make, make you better uh, on the field and off the field. So, uh, but yeah, so o- overall, I, th- I think control what you control and the, the rest kind of takes care of itself there. Sage advice from a former quarterback right there. And I can't, you know, do anything more than agree there. That's as long as you control what you can control, especially when it comes to playing the guys, playing with guys around you, that's huge. But, you know, it, it is something that a lot of kids do have to deal with. And I've heard you know, various stories from guys who are like, man, you know, I'm throwing the guys and they're not doing this and not doing that. And it's like, hey, you know, that, that's what it's called teammates, you know, plain and simple. So, yeah. uh, but with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Steve, any final thoughts? Are we, uh, you know, how you feeling about this one? I mean, I think overall, the the emphasis coming out of this podcast is there's a lot of good quarterback play coming out from uh, the combine, but I think the major thing we're looking forward to is pro days, right? Yeah, pro days are going to be fun, man. That's when, you know, we can check out, you know, the Jamar Smith, the Josh Loves, you know, Ty Stories, guys, Mason Fines, guys that we've talked about previously in the podcast that didn't showcase, you know, their skills uh, at the at the combine, but now can showcase their skills in the pro day. So 
uh, we'll definitely be covering those guys' pro days and stuff. And we got, you know, good spring quarterback battles coming up and, and other fun stuff. So uh, we're, we're excited to keep this thing rolling. Absolutely. And I will be dragging Steve along down. I shouldn't say dragging because I know he's excited, but I'll be getting Steve out to some spring practices around the state of Florida. So he'll have some firsthand experiences. Hopefully talk to a couple of coaches. We'll have some fun things so you come up on the podcast. So please stay tuned. Please uh, always follow us. We'll get, follow the Twitter because we always have little nuggets that Steve will tweet out there as well. So with that, I'll go and close this one up. You can find, speaking of the Twitter, you can find the podcast at QB Spotlight. You can find Steve on Twitter at S-T-E-V-E-N-H-A-M-N-E-R, Stephen Hamner. You can find me on Twitter at Eric, E-R-I-C, C. Henry. And once again, you can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. And, hey, you know, it's a long off season, but we're trying to get you through. Football season is almost here. I know it sounds a long way, like it's nine, excuse me, six months away, but little by little, we're going to get you there. And please keep tuning to this podcast. Thank you, guys.